Welcome to episode four of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. We've got an exciting visit with coaches Maddox and Jackson in just a moment. But first, I want to thank you for engaging, for making this so much fun for us to put together. We expected a lot of folks from D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, but Arizona, California, Connecticut, Delaware, uh, Massachusetts, Ohio, Texas, Vermont, West Virginia, Thank you for engaging, and thank you for sharing the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Make sure you're following and subscribing so every time a new episode drops, it's right there for you when you put your earbuds in. Before we get to our visit with the coaches, I want to share an audio message from Walter Hill from the class of 1983. When I think about Gonzaga and its 200-year history, I can't help but focus on the period of the late 60s and the early 70s. After the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968 and the ensuing unrest in Washington, D.C., Gonzaga faced a difficult decision. Would it leave its iconic location in the heart of D.C. or would it stay and fight for its existence? It decided on the latter. And what a decision it was. Flash forward to the fall of 1979 when I came onto High Street as a freshman. This, too, was Joe Jackson's first year on I Street. Alvin Maddox would arrive just a year or so later. From 1979 through 2021, Joe Jackson and Alvin Maddox have been foundational pillars of Gonzaga. Over 40 years of freshman classes have been molded and shaped in some way by these two titans. They have been there as teachers, as coaches, as counselors. Perhaps most importantly, they have been consistent and powerful examples of what being a man for others look like. For all of these reasons, and so many more, that I thank Joe Jackson and Alvin Maddox, may your years of retirement be as fulfilling as your years on I Street. All the best. Joe Jackson, Alvin Maddox, coaches, good to see you. Welcome to the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Hey, Brian, it's good to see you again. Definitely, Brian, good to see you. Let's start at the beginning. Joe, you began your career at Gonzaga in 1979. Walk everyone through where you were coming from uh, educationally and what you saw, what potential you saw in taking the job at Gonzaga. It was funny that uh, I was coming from uh, Bowie State University. I got a call in the summer from Joe Kozik, right? I, I thought it was a joke. You know, I'm picking up the phone. This guy says to me, he says, do you want a job? <laughs> and I'm like, who is this? You know, he said Joe Kozik from Gonzaga High School. I knew about Gonzaga because uh, I had a couple of guys in my neighborhood who went to carry out the math. So long story short, came down, interviewed. The first person I met was Father McKenna, who let me into the uh, Jesuit community. And from that point on, interviewed and uh, took the job at Gonzaga and been here since. You know, 42 years is a long time, but 42 good, 42 good years, yes. No. Coach Maddox, you started out part-time, right? Yes, I did. I started out as part-time freshman football coach. Actually, I, I'd never heard of Gonzaga until Joe Rinaldi told me where he worked at. I was actually working at Jellic Boys Club down in Georgetown, and I was director of athletics, and I was actually running the Jellic Summer League that year. I was my first year there, my first year running the league. So I didn't know anybody or anything as far as athletics in this area. Joe Rinaldi used to come down to the games every week Gonzaga would play. We would sit and have a conversation. I told them who I was. And they remember my, my glory days at the University of Maryland playing football. For everyone who doesn't know the history, toot the horn there. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, 
I played football at the University of Maryland from 1975 to 1978. I was part of the, of the program turnaround in those four years. We actually went to four bowl games. We went to the Gator Bowl. I actually started in the Cotton Bowl. We were ranked number three in the country that year. In my junior year, we went to the Hall of Fame Bowl, and then we went to the uh, Sun Bowl, El Paso, Texas, my senior year. That's quite a resume, Coach Maddox. All right, let's get back to Joe Rinaldi. Well, he would come in every week, and I think he was, he was making a point to track me down because I'm not sure what they were looking for, but they wanted some coaches, and he mentioned they needed minority coaches. And the first time he mentioned it, I said, I'm not interested. I'm not going to coach. You know, I have a job. I have a family. Uh, I'm not interested in being on the high school level. So he was he was pretty persistent. Every week he would come down and we would talk a little more about it. And by the end of the summer, he had convinced me to quit my job. So that was that was something that uh, I had to discuss with the wife as far as quitting the job and not actually having a full time job, just a part time job coaching football. So she agreed. 1981. I was the freshman head coach. From that point on, it's history. Now, Joe, your first run ins with Alvin were. Well, we coached together. I was uh, a varsity assistant my uh, first year in 79. And this is under Mark Gowan? This is under Mark Gowan, right. The following year, I went down the freshman team under Bernard Warren. That next year under Coach Maddox. So from that point on, you know, we had the freshman team, some pretty pretty decent athletes. But you know, my, my first year here, 79, we were out of the league. We were playing IC schools and trying to build a program, which Mark did a very good job. By the time those freshmen were seniors, you know, we, we were in the thick of things in terms of playing the championship game against the math at, at Bird Stadium. Yeah, Danny Leonard's team. That's a turnaround. That's a turnaround to the, uh, the great programs that we have with Gonzaga. So I came, I think, a year after, maybe two years after the gym, was put in, was state-of-the-art. And, you know, we was, had the open gyms uh, during lunchtime on the rubber floor and everybody's in there playing. It was definitely what Gonzaga needed. You know, we had Tom Sluby my, my, my first year, who was a high school All-American, All-Met. Again, that was the turnaround of, of the basketball program. So, you know, you got Mark with the football and, and you know, Tommy and Dick with basketball. And again, you know, those, those are great years, man. Great years, definitely. You Were you at the game at DeMatha when Tom Sluby led the Eagles over the stats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely I was there. Tommy was a phenomenal kid, man. Phenomenal. I tell you that right there. Told every kid who... Wanted to go to the Master Carroll, whatever. Gonzaga has got a dynamite program. You see that growth coming in, you know, to football, to track and field, to all the other championships that we have won here. You know, that was the birth of that caliber kid coming to Gonzaga and us winning championships through our great coaching and the great kids that we had. Coach Jackson, you just mentioned track and field, and over the last 40 years until you guys just retired, one or the other of you interacted with almost every freshman who's ever walked the halls of I Street in your PE class. <laughs> I feel like you guys ended up using PE class as a way just to recruit track guys. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We put a program together where we would do a 12-minute run a 400-meter dash, 40-yard dash, uh, standing long jump. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we found somebody that was that was pretty good at those things, we would kind of get in the ear a little bit and 
asked them to come out for track. Right, right. And once they came out, they they end up they loving it. Right. And I think back in those days, everywhere we would go, we would we would have to take two buses, not one. Two. And everybody would get off the bus and they would say, here come Gonzaga. And we would have 60, 70 guys on the team. You were finding diamonds in the rough. You're finding young men who had the parents may not have even known that they had some ability. Anybody in particular come to mind who just surprised the daylights out of you in terms of what you saw in PE class to what they ended up doing maybe senior year? Wow. I can say, you know, I, you know, talk about Kenneth Miles all the time and coach and I laugh, laugh about this. You know, Kenny was a, uh, a big freshman. All right. Who his mother didn't want him to play football. So coach, I think it was in coach Madison's phys ed class. The coach walked in and says, coach Jackson, you got to see this kid. So, you know, Kenny long and length moved fairly well, but coach said he couldn't uh, chew gum and, <laughs> and walk at the same time. And, you know, taking him as, as a freshman, as a thrower, and watching him develop into a great thrower, great football player, you know, played at UVA. You know, you, you take guys like that who are raw and mold them. You know, that's, that's the type of guys that we were getting, you know. And the job that you guys did with Kenny, God rest his soul, uh, he was class 88, a couple years behind right. me. So I remember him when he wasn't what he became once he continued to move ahead in his career uh, had that incredible uh job at was it louisiana state yeah lsu then, lsu then michigan yeah how many times was he reaching out to you guys for just a little bit of advice on how to handle certain maybe tricky situations mm -hmm. you know kenny and i would talk a lot at least once a month uh then he would come in town and just show up and you like where are you coming from? He says, I just drove up from LSU. So, you know, we would see him like that. And, and he like say, yeah, I would talk to him. And, you know, he had a big impact on, on my life. Like I said, I'm going to miss him. Definitely going to miss him. Yeah. Well, one of the things I used to tell him is just, uh, I said, you're very smart. You're very intelligent. You made it to this point. Just use your best judgment. Mm -hmm. Don't look back. Make a decision and, and, and go for it. Whether it's good, bad, indifference. I had my own exciting encounters with you guys as track coaches. I still do athletic endeavors today because I keep hearing in my head some of those messages I got in track and field. The Steve Browns that I graduated with, remember Steve? Mm -hmm. What you guys got out of him in the hurdles that led him to compete in the Olympics, I know that that's had a ripple effect. Like I say, Steve was a uh, great student. And what Coach Mattis used to do to him was uh, run him in the uh, 300 hurdles, then come back and run him in the uh, four by four. He's some old coach. He's killing me. He's killing me. But I says, making you better. So just get out there and run. <laughs> the story I have with him, I think that year I was on crutches. Mm -hmm. I had blown my knee out from demonstrating how to high jump. I was trying to teach him how to hurdle. And I can remember the first couple of times I had him, he would look at me talking about, you're on crutches. You can't even move. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and after a couple of weeks, he started to pay attention and he started to listen to the things I was telling him. And then he started to develop every year. Did you end up running track when you were at Maryland too? No, I didn't. They were a little too fast for me. <laughs> but even if you were just around the program, there was this guy named... Skeets Nehemiah back then. Skeets very well. Great hurdler. Yeah. They were very good back then. I actually ran in high school. He wouldn't let the football players do track when I was at Maryland. 
he said, no, you need the spring work in football. So, yeah. But those guys are very good back then. Now, Coach Maddox, I imagine there's quotes that you used to say in PE class or track practice that's going to echo in the minds of students who had you for a long time. Get your head out of your <laughs> toes on the line, bird brains. Walking papers. What? Yeah, even your walking papers. Were they just jokes that landed that you kept telling year after year? Go ahead, Coach. No. Really, it was just something I, I normally said. It's either my way or the highway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard that once or twice. That was just me. I had a, I got an email from Ian Tate, and he had one of the shirts that were made up. I mean, he had on the shirts, it had my 10 quotes. And I haven't seen that in I don't know how long. And I can't even remember all of them. Uh, I think it was Bird Brain, Monies, My Way or the Highway. Uh, I can't even remember all of them. Something kind of special about Coach Maddox and Coach Jackson and the way they handled not just their classes, but the way they mentored African-American students. I don't think I had any clue as to how important this was for my fellow classmates who are African-American, having guys like you around until we solicited and asked for some Coach Jackson and Coach Maddox memories. I'm going to start with Lauren McLaughlin, graduate of 86 with me. My memory of Coach Jackson is a conversation I had with him back in 2018 during the annual Gonzaga Open House when I discussed with him the possibility that my son, who was only in sixth grade at the time, could one day wind up in his PE class. You had already taught both me and my oldest son, Matthew. Coach Jackson stated he wasn't sure back then how much longer he was going to stay at Gonzaga, but he would try to hang around until Miles got there. Well, Miles, class of 24, had Coach Jackson's eighth period PE class this past school year, his last. Coach Jackson taught many Gonzaga legacy kids, but for me, as one of those Southeast Washington PG County kids that come from the other side of town, it meant more that Coach Jackson always looked out for my sons even after PE classes were done was special. I knew he'd keep an eye out for trouble and wouldn't hesitate to set them straight if there was a need. He always had a listening ear when it came to discussing life and the future. You know, as a teacher, sometimes you don't know that you have that type of effect on your students, then their sons. But, you know, I'm grateful for that. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's uh, been wonderful to have taught here for 42 years and to see that the students think of you like that. I'm going to miss it, but <laughs> it's my time. <laughs> What's really neat for me, sort of with the distance, my father graduated in 49. Mm -hmm. He took me to some of those games when the teams weren't playing in league. I remember coming down to I Street and seeing, it probably would have been 78, a game against Ireton. Yeah. I was just a kid. For an African-American student and their sons are graduating, I don't think we get to that today in 2021 if it's not for the impact you both had in creating a place where they could go and vent and talk and relate. Mm -hmm. And now Coach Maddox, Lauren had something to say about you too. <laughs> Coach Maddox coached me indoor-outdoor track from winter of 82 through the spring of 86. He also coached my oldest son, Matthew. My cherished memory of Coach Maddox was the spring of 86 
when I was designated as one of the team's track captains. It was based on votes from the track team members. I knew that I still would not have been track captain if Coach Maddox didn't think I had it in me. Decades later, I've coached both my sons in CYO track and field, as well as dozens of other young boys and girls in the sport. Some of the coaching lessons that I've used over the years came from being a member of Coach Maddox's track team. His tough love showed me and my sons that if you respect people, because Coach Maddox was all about respect, if you give him respect, respect the work, do the work, he will work with you towards your goals. Lessons I continue to use in everyday life. Lauren McLaughlin, class of 86. In my opinion, it's mostly discipline. I'm, I was a strong believer in discipline. I was, uh, I was pretty rough growing up, uh, did quite a few things. And, you know, when I attended University of Maryland, Jerry Claiborne was a strong believer in discipline. And I had to abide by rules and regulations where I never did. And I felt like I was very successful at that institution because of the discipline. And that's something I carried with me away from there. And I said, if I ever got in a position to coach, I would prefer to have them disciplined and be honest, straight to the point with them, because that's what I learned. All right, there's some funny stories in here, too. <laughs> so this is from Sean Wallish, class of 2012. Track with Coach Maddox was my favorite memory from Gonzaga. I actually have a recurring dream <laughs> that I'm prepping for one last year with the team and running striders at practice. Might sound crazy, but I always wake up wishing it was real. Coach Maddox helped me become a more confident and driven person. He was a tough coach, but there's no better feeling in the world than hearing a simple gruff, good run after a great performance. I valued the tough love he shows his runners and truly believe that gives you the experience to tackle anything in life. He's also one of the funniest people I've ever met. I still remember one time I showed up to a meet wearing sunglasses to which Coach Maddox said, you think you from Hollywood, boy? <laughs> oh, I'll take you to Hollywood. Take those glasses off. <laughs> My friends from the team still love sharing stories like that to this day. Gonzaga track was one of the most challenging and fun experiences I've ever had. And if you were lucky enough to get a bear hug from Coach Jackson after a race, well, you were out of breath, but man, it felt good. <laughs> Wish I could go back in time and run one more season for you guys. Sean Wallace, 2012. Thank you. Yeah, great memories. Do you guys remember uh, Tyler Golian? Golian. He says that he had Coach Maddox first period freshman year in 2010. <laughs> Solid class of guys. Chris Schultz, Tavon Blackman. Alex Corboy, Jimmy Davis, Chris Jenkins, all in the class. Yes. Uh, but one day, I want to say it was the last day of class for the year, we hatched a plan. Maddox would stroll down from his office upstairs and put up one foot on a chair to call roll every day. Kind of lean the knee into the leg of the chair. That morning, the class gathered up all the chairs we could find that day and stacked them all on Maddox's chair. <laughs> his chair basically looked like a massive landmine, and obviously he could not put his foot on it. Great memories. Chaos ensued. Maddox is a real Gonzaga man. I wish him the best in retirement and hope he finally comes to terms with the fact that his first name is indeed Alvin. Cheers, Tyler Goley in class of 13. <laughs> and I actually think they all did push-ups for that too. I think they did. This one is from Brian Greeson, who's a major in the United States Marine Corps. Coach Maddox seemed to always know when to find me at Gonzaga. It's like he had a sixth sense. I could feel his hand grasp the back of my neck and squeeze as he would gruffly say, you've been behaving? Of course, I hadn't been. My father, a U.S. Naval officer, completed two years on the West Coast while I was attending Gonzaga. This left me without a male role model to keep me in check. 
unbeknownst to me, my mom would reach out to Coach Maddox. She said she never actually spoke to him. She would just leave a voicemail. Then a few days later, I'd suddenly snap back to normal. It was years after graduation that I learned of this communication. There's one lesson in particular that I've always kept close to my heart. We were at a track meet and a race was underway. Coach Maddox pulled me over and pointed out that one of my teammates was in the league. He told me to watch. My teammate was challenged for first place. The runner simply let the challenger pass him and the next one and so on. Coach turned away from the race, looked at me as he collected his thoughts and said, never be that runner. Fight to keep the lead. If someone takes it from you, fight to take it back. Never give up. Those words have pushed me to jump out of airplanes, swim miles with full combat load on. Those words have been repeated by me countless times to my Marines and soldiers. Coach Maddox is more than a mentor. He's the leader that provides me with a mindset which doesn't allow failure to ever be a setback, rather a path on my path to success. Thank you, Coach, for showing me and countless others what a man for others truly embodies. We will all be eternally grateful that the Lord placed Coach in our lives. Brian Greeson, Major, United States Marine Corps. Thank you, Brian. You talk about the discipline you learned from Coach Claiborne, that discipline you passed on that's creating ripple effects. Yes. Coach Jackson, I got one more for you. All right. This is from Ken Marshall, class of 82. Do you remember Ken? Yes, I do. There's a couple lines in here that I, uh, I think are really special because it's enlightening to me. Ken's experience at Gonzaga is so much different than mine. He would have been arriving in 78 as a freshman and graduating in 82. As a black student, Coach Joe Jackson meant the world to me at Gonzaga, simply by being there and keeping it real all the time. He was a real friend and role model. I don't think I could ever tell you one specific thing because he was ingrained in my Gonzaga existence. Kind of like you never thank your parents when they help with the mortgage or pay a utility bill. You just kind of take it for granted as that's the normal. For many of us, Gonzaga was our first foray into actually being the minority in a situation. Growing up in DC, for me, there were always more people that looked, talked, and acted like me. Some of us needed assistance in navigating and adjusting to our new climate on I Street. Sometimes the differences could be overwhelming. Sometimes we just needed the comfort of not feeling the need to assimilate, and Coach Jackson's office felt like home. In Coach Jackson's office, we got to talk to someone who understood where we were coming from and not try to make us fit into their version of reality. The acknowledgement of white privilege was not as prevalent back then as it is today. And there were times when our point of view was not taken into account. And Coach Jackson helped us navigate those times, all while not allowing us to feel like we were able to use the excuse that they don't understand. He held us accountable for what we do and showing us better ways to overcome issues. Ken goes on to say, I left Gonzaga 39 years ago, and it's still my favorite time and place in my life. Coach Jackson's the main reason why. When I became a father, I tried to talk to my son the way Coach Jackson would talk with me. Correction without anger, judgment and honest discussion about situations, making it okay and comfortable to make mistakes and learn from them. And the comfort in knowing that I could talk to my sons about anything without judgment or ridicule. The greatest thing I found in Coach Jackson is you knew he honestly cared and loved you. Never once did it feel like he was there just doing a job. He felt like he was there just for us, just for me. I could never thank him enough for all he has meant to me. Ken Marshall, class of 82. Right, right. I remember Kenny, yes. 
Definitely remember Kenny. Now, after reading some of these stories that Snoop Harper helped round up, mm -hmm. I have a much better understanding of the value that you two guys and what you two guys mean to a whole nother segment of Gonzaga students. So the legacy that, especially for the African-American experience at Gonzaga, that you guys have as mentors, the ripple effect that's now out there in society is maybe overlooked. And I just wanted to share that with you. I think it's really important. Thank you. When you guys drive around and you see one of the G's on the back of a car, do you get a little smile on your face? <laughs> Definitely. My wife and I were vacationing down in Hilton Head. And as we pulled in, I see a Gonzaga sticker on a car in Hilton Head. We go to the beach and we're sitting on the beach. And the guy hops, hey, Coach Jackson! She said, you can't go anywhere without seeing someone from Gonzaga. I said, that's what the G stands for. <laughs> the G is everywhere. As you guys move into retirement, is there any message that you would want to pass on from a life lesson or something that stuck with you from your time on I Street? Coach Maddox? Trust in yourself. Believe in yourself. Okay. Always make whatever decision you make, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, move on with it. Don't dwell on it and go back and say, well, I could have made a better decision. That's, that's spilt milk. It's under the bridge. Don't worry about that. Just move on. Believe in yourself. You guys are very smart. You're very intelligent. You got a lot of common sense. I know I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. You got a lot of common sense. So trust yourself. Trust the decisions that you make in life with yourself, your family, and your kids. Definitely. One of the things that I would say is as a father, as a coach, as a teacher, just be consistent. Be consistent in what you do with, with your children. Be consistent in what you do as a coach. Just be consistent in, in life. I hope that the guys that I taught and, and coached knew the consistency that I had. Come in, do what you're supposed to do. You know, we'll win championships. You'll pass my class. You know, be consistent with that family. Tell them you love them. It's one of the things that I would have to say in my last times at Gonzaga, I had a great time and I love this place. Congratulations. We don't get to 200 years without Joe Jackson and Alvin Preacher Maddox. Thank you guys so much for all you've meant to me personally, but to all the other men of Gonzaga and the families as well. We love you guys. It's been a great run. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two pillars of I Street right there, Joe Jackson and Alvin Preacher Maddox. As we put a wrap on episode four of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast, I'm Brian Egan from the class of 86, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the feedback. I've been getting text messages from my classmates, emails at podcast at Gonzaga.org. Cornelia Bush sent a very nice note after the Father McKenna episode. Her mom is 99 years old, still remembers everything about her uncle, Father McKenna, and they love Loved last week's podcast. Joe from the class of 78, thank you for your kind words. Any feedback you want to share? Happy to accept a quick voice memo as well. Podcast at Gonzaga.org. Of course, subscribe, follow, share, get the word out. Next week, episode five, we're going to focus on the Gonzaga Dramatic Association. Special guest next week includes Roger Schlegel from the class of 83, Alan Latois from the class of 73, a recently retired faculty member, and also my old class 
classmate Paul Buckley from the class of 86. Oh, and some special guests at the end of the podcast from our current crop of GDA seniors, James Miller and John Jarrow from the class of 2022. It's going to be a lot of fun next week. Until then, ad maorium dei gloriam and hail Gonzaga. March, remember us in victory, Gonzaga.